Good evening. Welcome in. Gabe DeArmond here in Columbia, Missouri. Gerard Hamilton down in Nashville, Tennessee at SEC Media Days, where the Missouri Tigers were on the stage today, along with Texas A&M and LSU. This is the show where we talk about what people talked about, I guess. And uh, first of all, I, I think we got to get the most important thing out of the way. First of all, appreciate Jared always uh, chipping in a little bit and contributing. But the Prince's Chicken Fund for Gerard. And I want it on the record. That was the one Nashville restaurant I definitely recommended to you. You, you did recommend, but it was Sunday. So it was like a weird situation with like a lot of the restaurants. So I I ended up going to the mall here. Like that's the first I went to the mall <laughs> to, to go to Charlie's and give me a cheesesteak. But um, hopefully I can, I can get to that. You know, they got ballet for this hotel game. So I've been real like trying not to leave too much basically oh, I got you. So, uh, I got you. you see i'm a team player game i ain't trying to run i'm not trying to I, run I, up a gym for no reason man i'm trying to see what's in walking distance i appreciate that and and i can say from having been at sec media days they do generally take pretty good care of the media there's plenty of food and and drinks and, and stuff around the hotel and and once you get going it's a it's a relatively busy day so it started this morning at what 11:30, I think, with Greg Sankey. I, I'm going to take a guess that with Brian Kelly and LSU, and then Jimbo Fisher and AM, Missouri was kind of the probably the least trafficked uh, group of the three today. You think that's fair to say? I'm imagining so. Now, I didn't actually really get to see or really hear too much of, of you know LSU and Texas AM, but. I mean, going into this, that's what we expected anyway, just because of you know who those coaches are and what those programs are, whatever the case may be. But drink also from what I'm he didn't have anything real snarky to say. So he didn't, you know, put himself in the headlines with something that was I mean, today he had a I said he was on his uh best behavior when I was talking to, to Neil. Uh, he was on his best behavior today. So uh I, everything was smooth. Yeah, and, and do want to invite you guys, if you've got comments, questions, anything you want to know about, um, anything you want want to uh, hear about from, from today down in Nashville, put them in the comment section. We'll definitely get to them. Uh, yeah, Drink, uh, you know, I talked to him earlier this summer, and after the whole, after the whole deal at, at SEC spring meetings, like, he was pretty intent to go down there and say nothing that could even be conceived as controversial. And he admitted on Feinbaum, he's admitted to us before, like there are times he says some things that that get him in a little hot water, but he was not going to do it today. And and I thought the reason, I don't know what he said to you guys, but but what he said in the portion I watched was, hey, I, I think we've got a good team. These guys have worked too hard for their coach to come down here and, and be the one that steals the spotlight, you know, saying something silly in the media. So I, I assume that was was kind of his approach in the because you guys had like a what a 45 minute hour long breakout session with the Missouri guys beforehand. Right. And I remember thinking this is not enough time. It was more than enough time. It was more yeah. than it was a more, more than enough time. Um, yeah. He, I mean, he didn't, I guess, say that, but he showed that by the way he was answering things like it wasn't a, a me type of thing or let me talk about another program. He was worried about Missouri and what they got going on. Um, but like I told you, like an hour before we, we got on here, most of the stuff he's he said, you know, if you guys have been, you know, reading along with the articles and stuff I've had throughout the offseason, it's a, it's a lot of the things that we've already been talking about, whether it's position battles and who who may be out in front or maybe the changes on the offensive line, changes at the edge, you know. The only thing that I didn't really know coming into today was him 
Coach Baker and Coach Pope, uh, Coach Poe going to be helping in on special teams. That's kind of only really the new gym that we we didn't really know about. And that I mean, look, whatever they did last year on special teams didn't work particularly well. So trying something different uh, certainly would be welcome. I mean, and that's the thing he said today in, in his opening monologue was basically listing every scholarship player on at least this year's roster. He also may have mentioned some from last year and next year and 2010. And, you know, he, he listed off pretty much everybody that's ever been associated with Missouri football. But I, I mean, the point is there's 18 starters back on this team. Like as far as position battles, major camp questions, there really just aren't that many with this team. Right. And like, um, it's funny though, because Dave, uh, Drink said, because you weren't there, he was like, well, we'll give it to, to Dave to ask the first question. And Dave was just like, spell out your quarterback's name. And he, he <laughs> spelled it. He spelled out the word quarterback. Um, yeah, but besides quarterback and I would say quarterback, left guard and, and defensive end, those are really the positions where. But for a lot of positions, they know what they're doing. He was really excited talking about the wide receiver room, like the depth they've got there. Um, you know, somebody you mentioned, you mentioned Makai Miller. Like, I think that's probably somebody who may be one of those first guys off the bench, you know, being a slot guy. He, he was excited to talk to, about the receivers. He was so excited to talk about uh, the safeties, the defensive tackles. Like, if you, you know, you guys read the preview. I said something. Um, one of my questions was, will the secondary have to do more since, you know, with kind of, a, I guess, a lack of a pass rush since we don't know what they've got at defensive end? And Drink was like, well, I don't really think that's the case because – we're good up the middle. We've got defensive tackles, got linebackers, got safeties, and they're already an aggressive defense. Uh, you know, Blake Baker isn't afraid to you know to blitz some blitz linebackers or whatever the case may be. So he was like, it's not like we're running a four man front and, and we're worried about it. And that's something I didn't really think about. You know, obviously going into it, and and that's what I just put in the takeaways. Like maybe you don't have to worry as much about defensive end, and, and they're in a good spot to only have you know just a handful of positions to worry about. They're they're important, of course, but they're not stressing as much as I guess, you know, everybody else on the outside is. Yeah. The, the way I put it today, like it, it's a weird deal because it's a team that doesn't have very many questions, but the two questions they have are like the two places you don't want questions. They're the two most important questions, right? It's like, it's like going into the test and saying, Oh yeah, well, I, I know all the multiple choice stuff. The problem is the essay and comes yeah. for sixty percent of the written word. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's 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 where it becomes a a bit of an issue. But there, I mean, he solved he solved some questions to the to the quarterback thing as far as he's not afraid to take this into you know week two. You know, you guys look at you know what I the takeaways and some other stuff I, I've written today. Um, we kind of said something the last podcast about would he do this? He said game one, and he didn't, and it wasn't like he was kind of beating around the bush with it. Uh, Dave asked game one, would you uh, be willing to have, you know, two quarterbacks or multiple quarterbacks play? And he's just like, yeah, I don't see why not. And, and going, and because of the non conference schedule, how it's set up, they can do that into game two comfortably into game two, and maybe game three versus Kansas State is when we kind of see who's really that person, but they're going to extend this as long as it needs to be and let the competition decide itself kind of like unlike last year how it was you know pretty quick and they knew after about a week or so well and i think in in cam's asking about this you know it seems like he's normally ridden one guy well i think that's because he's only had one guy like 
he just kept playing. He, he made the decision last year with Brady Cook because, like, he didn't. I don't think he felt like he had any other options. Jack Abraham, I, look, I, good kid and all that, but but it was an emergency. Like we need a body addition. I don't think anybody ever counted on Jack Abraham to be a starting quarterback here. Tyler Macon, we knew, we knew by the time last season came around that he was not the starting quarterback. And Sam Horn, I mean, I, I you know, I don't know if you heard drink up on the podium because I, I don't know exactly where you were today, but like I thought he had some fairly revealing comments about Horn in that look, the kids got talent, and I think baseball gave him some confidence. Last fall, Sam was trying to figure out how to be a college student and how to keep his grades up and how to keep his diet right and all that, like it is very, very rare for somebody to come in. I don't care how many stars you have and be ready to be a starting quarterback in the SEC as a true freshman. I didn't take anything that drink said about horn is like a knock on horn. Right. It's just, that's the natural progression of things. Yeah. And, and when you, Especially for these four-star and five-star kids, everybody just assumes they're just going to easily assimilate the process. They're going to be able to to handle all this change, and and that's not always the case. Like most college student students, there's an adjustment period, especially when you're going halfway across the country. You know, him being from from Georgia and all that good stuff. So it, it's um it it shouldn't be disparaging. He did mention a few times that while Brady Cook will enter fall camp as QB one, it's not by a large gap it's not his it's just going to be given to him he said that on the podium i heard i did hear that i was mostly writing through what he was talking about him because it wasn't too much different from what he told us but it's brady cook but it's not like brady cook and the others exactly kind of how like it, he said on the come home tour it sounded a little bit like more drastic it's brady cook and then it's you know sam and jake they're not too far behind and anybody can still win this competition right and uh, i mean the bar is somebody has to be better than Brady was last year. And if that's Brady himself, you know, fine. Um, I, I think it's going to be kind of interesting though. And, and I know Eli knows this, like, and, and it's too bad for Brady because like Brady's a good kid who busts his ass and has never done anything, but speak highly of this university and, and represent it as well as he can there's a pretty big contingent of Missouri fans who, if Brady Cook wins this job, I think are going to, like, he's going to have to go win them over. And they're not going to be, and, and part of that is because they've seen Brady Cook fail at times, right? The backup's always the better option because, like, we haven't really seen Sam Horn fail. We haven't seen Jake Garcia right. fail here. So that's part of it. But, like, there's, a, I, I think there's a, it's going to be interesting if Brady wins this job. Like, I hope if he does that he goes out and just, I mean, lights it up those first two weeks because the first bump in the road, you know what's coming if he's the starting quarterback from this fan base. I think him winning, if he wins this job, it, it says a lot not only about him, but but kind of about the, his competition. Because right. Does it say more about him or does it say more about the other guys? That Yeah, that's – it's really – it's really a 50-50 thing because for him to not well, – I don't even remember seeing Brady Cook's face this, you know, since December. Right. So for the fact that we haven't really even seen him, let alone his participation in anything that, you know, we get access to, if he can, can win this job after off-season surgery, I, I wonder how much – for me, I'm leaning kind of much what, what's going on with Sam and Jake, you know, being former four-star guys. What is it that I guess maybe they're not – 
they're not doing. Um, I do think uh, somebody just had a question of uh, has Brady got wait, do we think Brady has gotten better if he's considered the starter? I do think there's something to that and, and drink noted earlier to us kind of like he attacked that rehab process kind of being on the sidelines seeing everybody else get those opportunities and him not i guess being able to start this competition you know he's kind of he was it seemed like he was trailing to start it um i guess that motivated him to kind of overdo it and work himself back into shape probably a little bit quicker maybe than they they expected um but that i think worked in his favor and sam not that you know you want injuries but sam getting hurt him it kind of sets him back a little bit. Jay Garcia was still trying to learn the playbook and stuff like that. So in a way, they're kind of in similar spaces, but because Brady Cook knows the offense, he's a leader on the team, all that good stuff, that's where he's got that edge at. And, and the one thing you would never say about Brady is that he shies away from anything. I mean, he, he takes the questions head on. He knows the situation. He knows mm -hmm. everything that's being said out there. And so it'll be interesting. But also, like, I've talked to enough people they understand the importance of this season. So if whoever mm -hmm. the starter is, if it's not going well, I don't think he's going to be shy to make a change. I mean, if they look like they're, you know, if let's say whoever wins the job, if if they throw three picks against Kansas State and struggle out of the gate against Memphis, like if he's starting to go, man, we're heading toward five and seven, like he's not going to sit around and let that happen this year. He's and now I'm not saying that, making a change necessarily changes that, but he is going to try everything he can to avoid it. Cause they haven't been shy about saying like, Hey, I think we got the most talent we've ever had here. We just got to figure out one or two positions and score more points. Yeah. Drink. Um, and when I was talking to Neil, he kind of asked me a question about what does it say about drink being willing to concede, you know, play calling do uh, play calling duties to, to Kirby more and stuff like that. I think he's becoming more aware Yes. Of, of things and, and not, it, you know. Is it fair because I'm almost 10 years older than him that I can say he's growing up? <laughs> Am I allowed to say that? I, I'm going to say you can say it. He's uh, maturing. Say yeah, but he, he's understanding the situation of, of all of these things. If, if, if it's not working well he, and he feels like the, a quarterback change is necessary, that's what he'll do. He's seen that himself as the play caller. I mean, the first couple of seasons, they, it seemed smooth sailing. But last year, you know, things kind of went off the tracks or whatever it is. And he said, OK, I need somebody who who wants to attack, you know, kind of similar. I can still help with, you know, the offense, but I need somebody who can get it done and knows what that looks like. And and they have that in Kirby Moore. And so, like you said, he's not going to be afraid to make changes this year. He better not be because the last couple of years you've been telling me it's all you've been telling everybody. He starts the year saying we're going to be more aggressive. And then instantly by week two, you see that it's not aggressive. So it, today was kind of an interesting contrast in what we're talking about here. Because, like, I will give you, like, this, this credit for sure. The first important thing is to recognize the problem. And he not only recognized the problem, he recognized the problem was him. And that's not an mm -hmm. easy thing to do, right? And he said it today. He's like, I wasn't giving us the best chance. So about 45 minutes before Eli took the stage, and I know you were you didn't see Jimbo Fisher talk because you were, were up doing interviews. Um, but, you know, Jimbo Fisher, like the last two years, A&M fans have been like, yo, quit calling plays, hire an offensive coordinator. You know, and Jimbo has never done that in his career. So he brings in Bobby Petrino and somebody asked him today, what's the dynamic like there? Is Bobby going to call plays? You've never really given that up. And, and Jimbo just flat didn't answer. I mean, he, he just it, like... 
I, he didn't say anything approaching an answer. So, you know, hey, Jimbo Fisher's won a national championship. He's been a coach for a long time. I, I'm not saying he doesn't know what he's doing, but I'll give Eli this. He's he's facing up to what the problem is and he's looking for a solution. And now all that matters is whether that solution works or not. Right. I, that's interesting on the Texas A&M thing. Cause I mean, I guess, the, yeah, that happens hiring, hiring a offensive coordinator, but you, you know, head coach still being kind of a shot caller and stuff like that. I'm, I wonder how much of it has to just do with the day-to-day stuff and, and, you know, kind of managing that load of being head coach, but then also trying to focus in on one side of the ball for so much of the time. Right. And, you know, going back to like Garrett Pinkle always had an offensive coordinator, but he would always tell us, look, if we line up third and one, I've got veto power. If the OC calls something and that's not what I want, I'm the head coach. I can change it. It's my responsibility. And I got so tired of hearing Gary say it's my fault. But, like, that's what the head coach does. That's why he gets paid, in this case, $6 million. And I saw more of that out of Eli late last season and and today than I think we saw the first two years. Like, I'm not saying he made excuses and blamed other people, but I think he's taken more of the brunt of that blame in in the last few months. And and, and I think that's a good thing. Uh, Had some other questions here. Dave had some questions about the offensive line. Seen enough? Out of Delgado at guard, would you rather have the Oklahoma transfer? That's EJ and Doma Ogar or Xavier Delgado. And the interesting thing that that you wrote about today was one of the offensive guard spots actually seems to be pretty solidified, and it's maybe not who people thought it would be. Yeah, so that that right guard spot, it, it's Armand Mimbus, and there's two there's two players on that line where. They're going to name them starters if they haven't technically already, and they're not going to think about it again. So obviously Javon Foster, he's obviously up here, so you know what that means. And it's Mimbu. I mean, KAD didn't have – he's not going to have any contact with the offensive line that much. But everybody else, uh, Drink, Robinson, uh, Foster, they were were really, really high on them. Like we've we've been kind of feeding this a little bit, you know, since the end of last season when he started playing. But like this time it's – he's going to be a star. He's going to be special. He's got so much flexibility to move around. Go ahead. So here's the question I have for you. Let's say we get into that Kansas State game and Marcellus Johnson ain't working at right tackle. Mm-hmm. Do you then – do we see Membo out at tackle and Johnson in at guard or – you know, but – and again, there's the possibility of, hey, we're not talking about Val Erickson or Tristan Wilson or some of those guys that might be – like I fully expect – uh, Val Erickson to be the third tackle, like the swing tackle on this team. Right. Well, if Marcellus Johnson is struggling with that transition from left tackle to right tackle, I feel like I've, I keep hearing enough about the, the reserve linemen and how their progression is to feel like they're going to get a shot more so than let's move Mimbu out to tackle. That's something they kind of want to say for next season. Um, but I think the biggest situation at left guard, and to answer somebody's question, Drink was talking as if Foster, I mean, not Foster, as if um, Delgado was going to be going in as the starter. But I think if he had to choose, he'd choose EJ. But the injury concerns, I think that's the problem. He's coming off, I think it was like a foot injury, an ankle injury that ended his season prematurely uh, versus Kentucky. And I think he's healthy, but that's I feel like that's what's kind of stopping him from really saying it, but I think it'd be easy. But 
I think the real issue is if Cameron Johnson, who Drink said has snapped the ball before, uh, before, if he doesn't work out at center, they want to keep him on the field. Uh, everybody was, uh, Javon was saying how good of a player he is. Like he couldn't even come up with words. He was just like, he's just a great player. Like I can't say nothing else. If he doesn't work out at center though, they're not going to take him off the field. They're going to move him back to his natural position where, you know, he was an all conference guard last year. Then what do you do? Who do you have snapping the ball then? I think that would be a, a bigger issue. And, and I would fully expect that Cameron Johnson is the. I mean, yeah. I guarantee, I don't know when that kid got to campus, but I guarantee as soon as he got to campus, like he was, yeah. he was playing like uh, Omar Epps in the program, carrying a football around campus. Just he had to bend over and snap it every 27 seconds. Oh, oh yeah. Um, I, I know I said a lot of stuff kind of, and I'm going to, when I do my notebook, it's kind of going to be expanding off the, off the takeaways. And, and I've got those questions. What happens if, if Cameron Johnson, you know, isn't, what what they think because everybody every time there's a transfer or something everybody's assuming oh they're going to play they're going to be good at whatever this is it's not always the case now they don't feel like that but it's still a question that what's the plan b if something goes wrong i think they need to have that all right let's let's hit we're getting a few more quarterback things so we'll hit it real quick uh not to be that guy but it with sam horn being diabetic does that affect their decision to play no i mean look no. they knew that when they recruited him yeah that, that's that's not new information and being a four-star athlete playing multiple sports, I don't think they're just like, ah, man, uh, sugar intake or something is right. is going to stop them from anything. I mean, I mean, look, they got world-class nutritionists that monitor. Like, right. Literally, Drinkwitz is up here saying, yeah, this guy weighs 262 pounds. Like, they know exactly Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, he didn't just do that with KD. Like, randomly, he was like in a straight straw. like at 193 pounds, KD's 180 or whatever. He was like – they're they're I think they're fine when it comes to stuff like that. Yeah. Um, you know, has to be Sam Horn for the future of recruiting or Garcia. I look, it has to be the best guy. That's all there is to it. And if the best guy is Brady, then okay, he just has to be better than he is. Like this this idea that we have this guy has to win the job. We don't see practice every day. We don't see these guys in the film room. He has to pick the best guy and he has to be right. And there's nothing more to it than that. Right. I mean, what's better than playing your high recruits is winning. If that win, it doesn't matter who's on the field. Those recruits are still going to come, uh, you know, they're still going to come to the team. So it doesn't matter if the four stars playing, if they're not the guy, you know, who deserves to play. Right. And like quarterback, such a weird position. It's the only position on the field where we keep track of one loss record. Like, Matty Mock is statistically the worst quarterback to play here in 20 years, but he is legendary because he went 10 and two and went to the SEC championship game, you know? And so I, you can debate all day long how much of that was his doing and how much was the guys around him, but he was the quarterback for two teams actually that played in the SEC title game. And, and so he gets the spoils of that. Uh, John Hauser says breakout freshman, you know, drink mentioned a few today. He mentioned uh Ja'Kai Lang. I enjoyed that. Mm -hmm. He, uh, Serene Tukara, like he just gave up on, he like just kind of mentioned his first name at the end because he wasn't even going to try his whole name. Yeah. Uh, but those are the two that, that I know he mentioned did, did. And I think he talked about Jamal Roberts too, maybe a little bit. Um, he, I think, I know he mentioned his name. Well, when you talk about, he said his name, but when he mentioned it, it was kind of like, oh, we have Tavoris Jones and Jamal Roberts. It wasn't. Uh, individual thing he did say uh joshua manning's name as like somebody like who could come on in that that wide receiver group which is really really deep if joshua manning does that in this in this group which he can um that just be a 
good good sign of things to come then for that for that group. Well, and there is potential snaps available there because I meant to mention this at the top. The one other newsy thing that kind of came out today was I we think it's medical retirement oh, yeah, for yeah. Chance Looper yeah. and Xavier Simmons. Uh, it was a little he, um, murky the way he worded, worded it. it. Yeah, um, and I'm still trying to you know make sure I've got that correct. But medical medical scholarship was the term that was used, and I just believe that means at least for this season, but I'm thinking maybe their careers, uh, those guys will, you know, education will be paid for, but I don't think they're counting against the, the team's 85, you know, roster limit or, or whatever the case may be. Yeah. I want to address Matty Mock whatever's <laughs> comment here. Look, I have made it 47 years on this earth without a tattoo. I'm not about to start getting one of a 20 year old kicker, but Gerard, I don't know if you were up for a thicker kicker tattoo if Missouri wins 10 games. Um, absolutely not. I've got one tattoo. It's hard. It's hard to get me to, I it has to be very meaningful and no disrespect, but the thicker kicker on, on my body isn't what it's not, what's meaningful if, to me. I will say this. If Missouri makes the college football playoffs <laughs> and we get a thousand new subscribers this year, I would consider using part of that money to get a tattoo, but I am almost positive. And by almost positive, I mean completely positive that it will not be of Harrison Meade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, that, that sounds about right. Sounds about right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Somebody said Marvin Burks. Uh, KAD mentioned Marvin Burks. Uh, he also mentioned Shamar McNeilan, how coachable he is. But he just called Marvin Burks a dog, and I had to spell it D-O-G. But when people say dog, we know it's D-A-W-G. Right. So uh, I think Marvin Burks is one of those people who can get into that, to that too deep. They're kind of serious on him. Yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting because, like, there's going to be some – like, there's going to be somebody that, that people think is a pretty good player that doesn't get playing time in that secondary just because there's a lot of dudes. It's, it's a lot of dudes. And uh, when I was doing, like, the upside-downside thing, I think I had it as, like, Isaac Thompson and, and Tyler Hibbler. Like, Isaac Thompson was a four-star guy, but just haven't really heard, heard so much because of, first off, the vets at the top and then someone like Marvin Burks coming in there and – and Travez Johnson, and you, like I feel like I differentiate safeties and then the star, but they are all the same thing. They're all supposed to be able to play everywhere. So once you combine the groups, it just seems like someone eventually going to get you know lost in the show. But before the show gets too serious, I want to go back to the tattoo thing for a minute. What if we reverse it? What if we like could we get an NIL deal to get a Mizzou football player to get a PowerMizzou.com tattoo? Like I would That's, pay for the tattoo if he could get it regularly on television. Yeah, that's. I like to thinking we need to maybe we can use Darius Robinson. He has the biggest arms I've ever seen in person. Yeah, I'm. I put it on him. He's he's only going to be here one more year though. I'm I'm thinking I need bang for my buck. Like I need a guy. Oh, okay, that, need you, need a, you need a you need a you need a younger. A, a, and and I, I need somebody that I know is going to be on TV a lot. Um, uh, well, what about, you think, you think drink would get a power Mizzou tattoo? I don't feel like he would. Absolutely not. No, no, no. I have one in mind. Uh, we, we know a playmaker who's on the team was kind of young. I mean, Dalen Carnell. Okay. I mean, he makes plays. He's a young guy. All right. I mean, pops, what you think about that one? Yeah, we got, we got to <laughs> check into that for sure. I know, I know he's watching this, so so I expect <laughs> yeah. a thread tomorrow about whether Dalen Carnell will get a PowerMizzou.com tattoo in an NIL deal. <laughs> yeah. 
Phillips is more concerned about Kirby more than anything else. Can he field a winning offense in his first year in the SEC? So this is kind of interesting. I was listening. I, I watched uh, more SEC Network today than I've watched in the last 11 months combined. Uh, like, it's just not a habit of mine. But um, they were talking to one of the guys, and I, it slips my mind who who it is, but they were asking about A&M's offense. And they, he said something interesting. He said, you know, the truth is, most of these teams, like the playbooks aren't that different. The concepts aren't that different. You know, it's right. it's about a couple things. It's about, first of all, it's about kind of how you present it, formations and how you mix things up. But then it's also just about the guys running the plays. You know, I mean, I just I just watched a binged quarterback last week, as I'm sure you did. And like, you know, talking about the 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 game icing or the the final touchdown in the Super Bowl, the Chiefs are in the wrong formation but they just have guys that figure it out, you know? So I'm not saying that the play calling doesn't matter, but like Kirby Moore's a smart dude. He gets football. Um, he's not going it, to, it's not like he has to throw out his playbook because those were Mountain West plays and these are going to be SEC plays. It's more a matter of if he has the guys to run. them. Yeah. And, and while the Mountain West, uh, I remember doing something when Kirby first got hired. It wasn't like the Mountain was like they had some actually some good defensive teams in that conference that were like, I want to say like top 50 defenses. So, but obviously that's not the SEC. But like you said, they've had players. They had Jake Hayner, who, you know, quarterback who got drafted by the Saints. Um, they also had a good, you know, wide receiver unit. Missouri has a good wide receiver unit. It's to be determined who the quarterback is and what's going to happen in the offensive line and all that stuff. But like you said, it's no one goes in and says, "Well, now that I'm with the SEC, I've got to, I've got to change this and that." It's not, it's not really that scheme is going to be relative, relatively the same. He's just going to be more aggressive, and I think because of what they got with the wide receivers and, and some new thing, maybe a couple new philosophies, they're just going to be more aggressive about deep shots and getting the ball in the playmakers' hands faster. Mm -hmm. Uh, sounds like coach drink is leaning toward playing younger guys after reading articles. I'm just going to say, well, playing, first of all, well, what do you playing? What younger guys right, exactly? Is I question. don't think a ton of freshmen play on this team because so many older guys are coming back. Right. But also like, I just, you hear a lot of things on July 17th, right? Yeah. And then we're going to get to September 16th, and it's going to be 17-14 against the fourth quarter in Kansas State, and we'll see what happens. Right, right, right. I mean, well, okay, if this if this is saying maybe not starting, but just getting in the rotation, um, because they have so many upperclassmen, I will say they probably are going to have to play these younger guys a little bit more than they did last year. Because a lot of these guys are going to move on after this year. Not everybody has. There's like a, a good number of guys whose eligibility runs out. So you've kind of got to see what you got. But like you said, I don't think that means, you know, tight game or something. We're just going to – or they, not me, but they're just going to willingly, you know, throw out, you know, a, a younger guy just to and throw him out. It has I, to make sense. I think we put a lot more emphasis on see what you got and coach for next year than these guys do. Like, they're coaching for Saturday, man. They, they, and especially yeah, sure. in, in Eli's yeah, situation. Yeah, yeah. Like, he he's coaching for 2023. And if that means he plays 22 guys that are all leaving after this year, then he'll just deal with next year when next year happens, especially, especially with the portal being uh, such a big part of it. Yeah. Um, too simplistic says, hopefully we see some improvement with route running with Luther. Maybe I'm in the minority, but that seemed to be his flaw. I don't think route running was his flaw. I think holding on to the football was his flaw. Yeah. I think, um, cause he, there was like, I, 
probably like three or four times throughout the year. It's the little drag routes. He he he's looking at the ball real quick, but he's already turning around looking at what you know what move he's gonna do. He's so good in space that he's already thinking about what I'm gonna do. But that you know led to drops. It definitely led to at least one interception versus La Tech. I remember that. Maybe another one somewhere down the line. I think that in the beginning of the season, we kept seeing those first few weeks, probably up until the Florida game, where it seemed like every game he kind of had like a, a not an injury, but you know maybe it was helped off the field. It was limping a little bit, grabbing something. He eventually got used to that physicality, but I think it was just him adjusting to playing like men, SEC kids, you know, uh, in, in the uh, league. And, and I think too with Luther, like. I don't even know how I would assess his route running because the routes last year pretty much seemed to be turn toward the quarterback. We're going to throw you a swing pass and then you're going to make two guys miss. Like they didn't do a lot with him. I And, and I think that's pretty natural, right? Again, he was a true freshman. He was coming from a very uncomplicated high school offense. Like that's, I, I know he showed up early and I think he's a smart kid and all that, but that is a lot to pick up in just a few months. So I think they prop. I would be surprised if Luther had the disposal of the entire playbook, you know, last year. Yeah. And, and well, I guess lucky for everybody, they're going to, everybody's going to be starting from scratch in a way with, you know, Kirby right. Moore in, in the terminology, more so on the terminology part, everybody's kind of going to start over. Yeah. Uh, so this is uh, something we haven't really talked about. The biggest thing drink said today was with burden switching positions to go to, uh, love it slot position. So, so two ways to to look at this. First of all, do you think Luther Burden has better numbers this year than Dominic Lovett had last year, which would be about eight fifty and three or four touchdowns? So I think it was fifty six for eight forty six and three touchdowns. Um, he puts up similar, but I'm gonna. It's hard because then that brings up another question of the quarterback play and the offensive line play. And right. Can they get the ball? Because I'm thinking he has a little bit less, but that's because they have more weapons. They have more people who can do things. And Because no disrespect, but Toski Dove out there, a lot of times like he, he wasn't getting a lot of catches. He wasn't doing what he was doing the year before. So a lot of times he was just out there blocking or he wasn't getting targets and stuff like that. There's a lot more room to spread the ball with guys they're comfortable with. So I could see it being no, but also, if the offensive line plays bad again and they just need to get the ball out quickly, I can see him racking up stats like that because it's just, where's Luther at? Let me throw him the ball because he's a playmaker. Right. So that kind of, that was going to be my second question. I'll get to in a minute. First of all, I think Luther could exceed the total offense numbers of Lovett because I think he's still going to run the ball and get some jet sweeps and things like that. And the most amazing thing about last year was every time they tried to jet sweep with Tom Lovett, it lost like 27 yards and he just got destroyed. Like I, it never, I never saw it work. Um, So I think he might get a little more, but the second part of my question was going to be, okay, even if love, even if burden doesn't have more than Lovett had do Missouri's top two guys, have more than their top two guys did last year. Their, their second leading receiver was Barrett Bannister, who had right around 500 yards. So they had two guys for about 1350. I think their top two receivers exceed that, even if Luther doesn't exceed what what Lovett did. Um, wait. So who would you consider the second guy necessarily? I would assume um, this year it's going to be Theo Weiss. I but, feel like you know, it could be. Could I be feel Cooper could be yeah. Ty Miller. 
but, but that's not really what I'm arguing. I'm thinking like instead of maybe their top two guys having maybe that that does happen, but I'm more so thinking I could see a maybe three, four guys, four or five guys who have maybe 200 or 300 yards. And uh, maybe Luther's the one who has the seven, 800 yard thing, but there could be a lot of people who kind of help out and pitch in a little bit more. That's the way I was thinking about it. I think they'll have at least three guys over 500 yards receiving this year. You buy that? And I don't Again, know. Which that, that goes back to the quarterback and offense. Three. If the offensive line plays well, I think that's my key more so than the quarterback. I think the quarterbacks can get it to these guys because these these receivers are pretty talented. But um, it's a, it's on the offensive line. They can't get all those yards if if the quarterback is getting sacked or whatever the case may be and getting pressured and throwing crazy passes. So it's a caveat to it. Uh, Dave wants to know if you think Blake Baker is a little bit overrated. I want to say Gerard is not old enough to remember this, but I'm old enough to have watched the Steve Wilkes defense in Columbia, Missouri. What Blake <laughs> Baker did last year was a damn miracle. Like that was, that, that was an incredible turnaround with, really mostly the same guys that the two differences would be Tyron Hopper, big difference. And the guy that I don't think was talked about enough last year, Christian Williams. Yeah. Um, and, and, and uh, Dave here says no disrespect to, to uh, Nicholson um, or Devin Nicholson, but switching Bailey really seems to completely change the whole defense. It did. Yeah, we talked about this not too long ago when Chad started getting some mic reps. Was it kind of at the end of that 21 season and through through uh, last year? I mean, he's he's pretty solid. He's a, he's a good tackler. Does what he needs to do. He's not great in pass coverage, but I mean, he he does at least one thing pretty well, and and that stopped the run. Is Blake Baker overrated? I mean, you can't really say nothing until you see this year, like you know, until some games. Right. Like he's got to go back it up. Yeah, you, he's got to go back in and, and see what he does. but um, Or maybe I think next year also will be a good kind of thing because they're losing so many, you know, there's a lot of guys leaving uh, next year. So maybe let's see what he does when he doesn't have all these, you know, returning starters come back. Hey, you know what? If he's good enough, it ain't going to be his problem. It's going to be somebody else's problem because he's going to be a head coach somewhere. Yeah, that's, that's probably a fact. <laughs> you know, uh Dustin brings up a point. Uh, tight end is a completely forgotten thought. I mean, I, I don't know. I guess they'll play a tight end this year. Tight, <laughs> leading leading tight end, more than or less than 15 receptions this year? I'll go – I'll go less. I do think there is somebody who can get to double digits, but I, I go less. And – the way I feel about kickoff returns and how they need to just kneel and fair catch it every single time because they were averaging 16 yards on kick returns and a fair catch or whatever he doesn't make it to the 25, they need to do that. They need to go back to the six offensive lineman thing. If they're going to have somebody out there, it needs to be somebody who, who can at least block. And they they feel like Norfleet can do that, but while he probably plays and maybe one of those top two tight ends, I figure it really hard for – a high schooler to come into the SEC and that blocking translate like that, even though he has the size, that, that just sounds very hard. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I just, 
I've seen nothing from these last three years to indicate that the tight end is a major part of the passing game. Now, look, if they were to go out and sign, uh, you know, Brock Bowers, I'm sure the tight end would quickly become a major part of the passing game, but, right. but they don't have that on this roster. Um, so, all right, man, you've been working all day. Um, I don't want to keep you here all night. Just uh, give the people an idea kind of what you got coming up. Cause to, to be fully transparent, Gerard is not hanging around to listen to a bunch of people that are not associated with Missouri talk the next three days, heading back to Columbia tomorrow, but you got plenty of stuff. So what's kind of coming up the, the next few days here? Um, I'm just kind of, well, at least for tomorrow, because I'll probably head out, head, head out maybe around like 9 or 10 a.m. or something like that. But at least for tomorrow for the notebook, kind of going to, again, expand on the takeaways. There's a little bit of meat I left off the most. Just want to add some more quotes and a little bit more perspective on, on some of those things uh, that we were you know talking about earlier. Um, Feature-wise, I got to... I gotta think about it. Maybe, maybe I talk about you know drinks humility and and giving up that you know the reins and all as far as calling the plays to Kirby Moore. I don't think it, it's not like he said a lot, lot about it or stuff that we didn't know, but kind of rehashing that that like he's understanding what's what's going on. He's understanding the offense has to improve, and him being an offensive coach, they can't have another season like that, and you can't expect your defense to win you even six games playing that well on defense, but then your offense not playing you know, up to, to the standard it needs to. That's the thing, man. This is going to be my 21st season. Defenses like last year don't like, they don't come around every year. You can't waste them when they do, you know, I mean, their NIL efforts, their recruiting efforts this off season was we need Ennis back. We need KAD back. We need Darius Robinson back. We need Jaden journey. We need all these guys to stay. You can't waste it, man. First of all, the defense has to absolutely live up to what it was last year. But, like, if it plays that way, you absolutely cannot waste that with the offense they had last year. There's there's no question. No, definitely not. Uh, definitely not. They've got to they tighten up. Also, man, I can't watch many more games like that Auburn game last year or that Bandy <laughs> game last year. Like, dude, we don't get paid enough to sit through that. Oh, man. I, my thing is – like I only can really remember like the end of the fourth quarter and overtime because obviously that's when all the craziness happens. But like when I was talking to Feinbaum earlier, I mentioned to him like that wasn't a good game. There was like a string of oh, seven points, awful. eight points back to back for both yes. teams. It was pretty terrible, actually. I just remember that day starting with your breakfast sandwich being too stale to eat, and then we're just oh, sitting there and going punt. Punt! Oh my God, they punted! Oh my God, they punted again! Yeah, that, First was, that off, was a terrible day of football. Said, what a burger for breakfast! That was just sitting there for hours. I don't know when they picked that up. That <laughs> they put those out on a Wednesday. Were you what a burger fans? You guys lucky like Drew swears by what a burger, and so it's I had some when we went to the U. No, it's good. it's 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 de- it's all right. It's definitely better than that experience because I was ready to rip it up. That was that was terrible, but. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah, the, the offense for everybody's sake is is much better because the 14-17s or even the game versus Kentucky where it's just like drag until kind of like the end of the game. No one wants to see that. Yeah. All right, man. Well, go get yourself some dinner. Appreciate it. And, uh, and we will see you back. We'll start doing this. Fall camp's two weeks away, we assume. We don't have a calendar yet. But um, whenever we get the calendar – 
couple days before fall camp start, we'll be back to weekly shows. Appreciate you guys joining us. Had a, a pretty good crowd here um, for a Monday night. So if you're watching on YouTube, uh, thanks for being here. Hit the like button, subscribe to the channel, do all that. We'll put the podcast up after this. Uh, make nice comments on social media and rate us highly. And uh, Gerard, travel safe, man. We'll talk to you. I appreciate you.